Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome back to the All-American Brit Podcast on the Believe Podcasting Network. I am your host, Johnny McEwen. I hope you've had a great beginning to 2021. A new year always brings possibility and hope and excitement for the future. I am excited for the future of this podcast and thank you for taking the time to listen today. I've shared before on the podcast that I was born in Los Angeles, California. I know I sound like it, don't I? Um, not really. But uh, I was born in Los Angeles, California and spent the majority of my life there. But um, both my parents are British and coming back to the UK has always been a big part of my life. I am actually currently in the UK. I came over for the Christmas break to come spend some time with my family and spend some time here. And so if I sound particularly British, that's because I'm here. And when <laughs> I find that when I'm here, I watch tons of Premier League football. I'm watching the news here. I'm surrounded by fellow British people so if you have a little bit of difficulty understanding me that's uh, probably why but you'll get used to it. As I've said before in many different ways on this show I I love watching sport, I love following sport, I love keeping up with different leagues, different sports be it Premier League football, be it NBA basketball, Major League Baseball, NFL, golf. I, I love following all sorts of different sports and I love tracking players in all the different fields, the business around moving players to different teams, endorsements, the passion of the game, the way that the seasons evolve into the next, how teams continue to strive to get better, the competition, whether it be fighting as a football team to not be relegated to the championship or a major team being a win away from silverware. But apart from loving the passion that fills the sport world, I love having a laugh. And I don't think I'm alone in that. Who doesn't like having a laugh? And sport can be a topic for great humour and incredible characters. And so in this episode, I want to highlight a few of, in my opinion, some of the biggest characters in all of sport. There are a lot of former athletes who have gone into careers in television that are objectively really, really funny people. Charles Barkley and Shaquille O'Neal on TNT's Inside the NBA is essentially a comedy show. Um, Kevin Millar on Intentional Talk is a truly funny show, highlighting the oddities of baseball and funny moments within the game. Gary Neville and Jamie Carragher's relationship on the screen of of Sky Sports covering premiership football here in the UK. It's like watching a comedy duo. Um, Even Blake Griffin. Blake Griffin's a NBA power forward. He does stand-up comedy when he's not on the court. And while lots of retired players or former players or you know even current players spend their time off their stage of sport you know being humorous or you know finding comedy I think that there are so many characters within sport itself that their personality their personality is almost like a third dimension or a, a it's like another player on the field you know comedy and I think comedy and drama are really only separated by a very thin margin like Spinal Tap, Waiting for Guffman, um, Alan Partridge all of these are comedies that find the humor in the seriousness of which the characters are dealing with their situation you know there's no there's no sense of irony when the 
guitar player for Spinal Tap talked about, you know, turning it up to 11 and Alan Partridge for all of his hijinks on his silly talk show. I mean, there's a very thin line of being dead serious and being hysterically funny. And this first character of sport, I think, personifies that in kind of an extraordinary way. I'm talking about footballing legend and possibly one of the greatest football managers and coaches in the world, Jose Mourinho. Jose was born in Sebutar, Portugal in 1963. His father, Felix Mourinho, was a footballer himself and a coach as well. Jose has shared some of his childhood that he was just absolutely obsessed with football, wanting nothing more than to be a footballer himself. But not a a lot else is known of his childhood. And that's because Jose doesn't really want to talk about it. He sat down with the Netflix a Netflix documentary crew uh, for the show The Playbook, A Coach's Rules for Life. And he was certainly uh, cagey, to say the least. If you had to close your eyes and think, like, what are your earliest childhood memories? I don't want to speak. No? Were there any sort of, like, early experiences that helped shape your philosophy? Don't, don't want to go there. Okay. I'm trying to get at, like, where did you learn things that became valuable to you later in life? Me? I think this clip just absolutely personifies uh, the kind of brazen attitude that Mourinho has, and it's just effortlessly comical. Not because he's actually really trying to be funny either. It's that he's just so assured in his talent that, you know, why, why talk about other people? Let's just talk about, let's just talk about me. Jose started as a player, but admitted he was never any good. He even said this in an interview. How would uh, Jose Mourinho, the manager, dealt with Jose Mourinho as a player? I wouldn't play him. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't play him. That's so easy. Sold him. Hmm? Sold. Offer. <laughs> Take him. <laughs> Take him for free. <laughs> this kind of harshness, this kind of intensity that... He, I, I, he brings to his managerial kind of qualities, but he was—he may have never been good enough as a player, and he probably sees that now, being a genius evaluator of players. But it was his football mind that really led to his success and his career. His first big chance as manager came with the Portuguese club Porto, FC Porto, and Mourinho developed a real winner with this team, and this team had gone through some real tough times. Uh, in his own words, the fan base was kind of falling out of love with their team, In 2003, the Champions League, Mourinho's Porto took out the English powerhouse of Man United. And this is when Mourinho really made his stamp as a manager. They went all the way to win the title that year, Porto winning the Champions League. It was the first time since 1994 that a team outside of the big four leagues, being the English Premiership, La Liga of Spain, League One of France and Serie A in Italy, won Europe's biggest championship, the the Champions League. And with this seismic victory, Mourinho was then offered uh, the prestigious office of manager of Chelsea, where he led the team to multiple premiership titles. And I think this is when the world saw the real character of Mourinho and his first press conference kind of went down in history. I have to I have to say this. We have top players. And um, I'm sorry, I'm a bit arrogant. We have a top manager. Again, don't please don't call me arrogant because what I, I'm saying is true. I'm European champion, so I'm not one of of the bottle. I'm a, I think I'm a special one. This was certainly a memorable moment, and the nickname, the special one, did kind of stick to Jose. 
there's really only one thing that could be said about Mourinho, and that it, it's his his confidence is truly astounding. And he backed up his talk. Chelsea were incredibly successful under his tenure, winning consecutive Premier League titles. And Chelsea fans were really saddened by his leaving of the club. There were reported disputes that him and Chelsea owner Abramovich never really seemed to get on. Um, but Jose had a way of, of getting the best out of the team. And Jose was not finished stunning the football world and he went on to win championship titles at Inter Milan and then went on to the managerial spot at Real Madrid winning them their first Copa del Rey in 18 years. After claiming success in all three leagues Jose made it back to the UK and back into his office at Chelsea however his term was even shorter than his first uh, having a fairly unsuccessful couple of uh, years for the team and ultimately he was sacked it was the first time that Mourinho was sacked and he was sacked by you know a, a team that had brought him back he then went on to take on one of the toughest jobs in the UK which was managing Manchester United Man U have searched for success after Alex Ferguson who managed the team from 1986 to 2013 Sir Alex Ferguson even has a, a stand in Old Trafford named after him um, I think his shoes are yet to truly be filled and, and they may never be and Mourinho had a really tough time at Man United. The expectations were incredibly high, and he had put that upon himself, being a 26-time champion manager, and he clashed with the British press, as he always kind of had done, but it came to a boiling point when he walked out of a press conference. Okay. Now, just to finish, do you know that what was the result? 3-0. 3-0. Do you know what this means? 3-0. But also mean three premierships, and I won more premierships alone than the other 19 managers together. Three for me and two for them. Respect, 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 man, respect, 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 man. The team continued to underperform in the Premier League and ultimately Mourinho was sacked again for the second time in his career. And now there were no managerial openings or opportunities and so Mourinho pivoted and ended up doing some commentary for Sky News, bringing his biting commentary to, to the television screens and, and holding no prisoners, certainly, and no favour for his previous teams. Welcome to you, Jose. Thank you. Thank you for joining us here on Sky Sports. It, I hope it's not for a long time. Well, well we, we do, but uh, the promise is you'll be with us until a new job appears, so yeah. we'll see what happens. Honestly, am I happy, happy, happy? No, I miss it, and it's, as you say, strange. Jose, how many teams realistically do you think can win the title? Four. Man City, Tottenham, Liverpool, and Man City B team. Jose's commentary career wouldn't last long, though. He did end up finding another opportunity to be a manager after the firing of Maurizio Pochettino at Tottenham. Mourinho took over the head spot, and he's currently the manager of Tottenham Hotspur. There was a documentary on Amazon all about him. The kind of crux of the documentary is him taking over the managerial spot. And you get to see a different side of Mourinho. Press conference Mourinho is kind of cold, kind of hard, bit of a dick. But in this doc, you kind of see the intensity of which he pushes his players and the formation of family that he tries to create, the kind of camaraderie and friendship and how he just wants the team to love one another, be a part of one another and and fight like hell just absolute tooth and nail being aggressive being fierce on the field and he brings that to the touchline every game it seems when he's 
coaching. He, he'll get right along the touchline. Commentary boxes even say, oh, it looks like Mourinho is about to tackle the left back there. He, he enjoys that kind of close contact, that being right up in the game. I think Mourinho is a hysterical character. I find him effortlessly funny, but it's partly the seriousness and the intensity of which he fights in the game. And I think the footballing world is is better with him managing than, than without. Mourinho, a real character of football. I think in football, the moments that lend themselves to demonstrating real character or when players are able to show off kind of their bravado, their personalities, is the moments of close contact, the moments when a card's given and they get right up in the face of a referee or, you know, like Mourinho along the touchline or, or whatever that may be. But in the game of basketball, it's even more intensified just because of the environment of the game, the close contact of the game. Think about the moments of pause in a basketball game after a foul and the kind of lippiness that goes between two players uh, along the free throw line. You know, I think of the moment with Michael Jordan saying to Matumbo, hey, this one's for you and closing his eyes and just draining a free throw. The moments when a three-pointer's made along the opposing team's bench. There are so many moments that kind of show off a player's personality and a character and there are some huge characters in the NBA. Allen Iverson, Dennis Rodman, Shaquille O'Neal, Michael Jordan, LeBron James. These guys walk onto the court with not just their skills, but with their personalities. And that's a huge part of the game. And it was in this year's NBA bubble that the character of Jimmy Butler kind of caught my attention. There was a meme, there was this really popular meme that went around as the Heat kind of made their way toward the finals of Butler sitting on the bench just repeatedly going, I told you, I told you, we got some MFing players on this team. And Butler certainly wasn't wrong. Miami made it back to the finals for the first time since the power three of LeBron, Wade and Bosch left South Beach. But Jimmy's only just started his career in Miami. The Texas boy was drafted by the Chicago Bulls. This is where he proved his basketball skills, making it to the All-Star game in 2014-2015. The following year, he signed a five-year contract worth $95 million with the Bulls. But he wouldn't see it all the way out, ultimately being traded to the uh, to the Minnesota Timberwolves. He only spent one year in Minnesota, and then the team shifted over to the 76ers, an environment that Jimmy has said in interviews that he really didn't enjoy. Butler would become an unrestricted free agent by the end of the 2019 season. And so the Sixers you know, tried to get something, recoup something for it and traded Butler to the Heat. And as they say, the rest is history. Butler meshed incredibly well with the Heat and had a very successful season with them this year. Butler got a ton of media attention and it wasn't just surrounding the business that he did on the court, but it was also the business that he was running out of his hotel room. In the NBA bubble, all of the players were confined to the Disney Resort in Orlando, Florida, and it was an immaculate success for the league, allowing them to continue on with the basketball season during the novel coronavirus pandemic of 2020. And this experiment was a huge success, and they managed to get basketball back on the screens around the world, and a finals ended up being played much later than normal, but uh, the basketball season did come to an end inside the NBA bubble. And this experiment did come with its side effects. The players were constrained to stay in their hotel rooms for the majority of the time, only really leaving for training and for games. And what I read about the experience is that food was seemingly an issue. And some players actually got into trouble with the league for ordering wings to their hotel room. And they said, oh, you were breaching the bubble. And they got in trouble for that. 
but players could receive items from the outside world via like shipping and Jimmy Butler was in desperate need of a caffeine fix and he said that there was just no good coffee that was available to players thus Butler's coffee business was born he got all of the necessary equipment that came and kind of became the team's barista of sorts but it came with a hefty price take a listen to this I'm working on my coffee skills um, after my career I'm, I'm opening my coffee shop right now I'm charging 20 bucks a cup so if you if you want some come through people think you're joking but you have a French press here right I got everything 20 bucks a cup <laughs> uh, small medium and large all of it's 20 dollars a cup so um, <laughs> why is that. your coffee special sell me because like you can't get coffee nowhere here so I might bump it up to 30 bucks a cup just depends people here can afford it so anybody complaining and thus big face coffee was born Butler also got in on selling merchandise for his brand sporting a, a hoodie and t-shirts which he would wear to the game which very shortly actually after became available for purchase online during the summer I was kind of fascinated with this story and that part of my brain kicked in where I just was like, I think I, I think I need this shirt. And I tried to look it up and there were quite a few knockoffs out there. So if you're listening and you actually have a source for a legit big face coffee shirt, I'm definitely interested. But with any great business, there came competition. One of the coaches who liked Butler, he, he fancied a good coffee, asked if there could be a price reduction as the staff around the team aren't making as much dough as the on-court staff. Um, as the players, but Butler did not make an exception, forcing one of the coaches to create a rival Little Face Coffee, where the cost of a cup was only five bucks. The Heat certainly had some fun with this, and fellow uh, teammate Goran Dragic uh, tried to venture to the Big Face Coffee. He posted about it on his Instagram. I came to a Big Face Coffee, but it's closed, man. Unfortunately, this time I bring cash too. No, I don't have other option to go to Little Face Coffee. The whole team got a real kick out of this Big Face Coffee kind of episode. And Jimmy, who was in his first year with the Heat, seemed to mesh with these guys incredibly well. And Butler and his team enjoyed a great NBA Finals, pushing the Lakers all the way to uh, Game 6. But LeBron and company ultimately enjoying the ring at the end of the day. But Butler brought more to the Miami Heat than just his on-court talent. He brought... His personality, his swagger, his kind of charisma, his humor. He's got his own YouTube channel. He's, you know, a really interesting kind of character and outspoken and wanted to come play for the Heat and has certainly been enjoying the benefits of playing with that team. I doubt this is the last we'll see of this Miami Heat team. They really meshed well together and played really great together. And Butler's antics hopefully will continue in seasons to come and I hope for all of our sakes that this is the, not the last that we'll hear of Big Face Coffee. Baseball is undeniably a team game, but a lot of the moments of success or moments that make a game kind of electric are based on individual success a guy hitting a home run a pitcher completing a complete game shutout or throwing an epic pitch that strikes a guy out in a crucial spot and it's within those individual moments that you see lots of characteristics and styles of certain players i think it's also one of the sports that's so unique that each player can look different you've got guys that are tall short fat skinny fast slow i mean it there's so there's a wide range of 
types of physicalities of guys that play. And there are some really funny guys in baseball. But I think one certainly worth highlighting is Manny Ramirez. Manny Ramirez was born on May 30th, 1972 in Santa Domingo, Dominican Republic, a part of the world that is known for its love of baseball and has brought some of the biggest stars to the game. David Ortiz, Pedro Martinez, Sammy Sosa, Juan Martial, Albert Pujols, Adrian Beltre, and the list goes on and on and on. Incredible talent has come out of the Dominican Republic, and Manny is no exception. Drafted in 1991 by the Cleveland Indians, Ramirez was a really exciting prospect for the tribe, and he didn't disappoint upon his arrival to the major leagues. He made his debut in 93 and was just a constant threat at the plate and brought a great deal of success to the Indian team. His breakout season came in 95. He won the Silver Slugger Award and was a huge part in getting that team to the World Series, where they ultimately lost to the Braves. Manny made a name for himself, being a slugger in Cleveland. And in November of 2000, Manny's contract had run up with the Indians, but they wanted to keep him in Cleveland. They offered him $119 million over seven years. But Manny, on the advice of his agent, had bigger and better sights. The slugger ended up signing a 10-year, $200 million contract with the Boston Red Sox. And Manny went from being a big name in baseball to a household name in baseball. He was a part of the infamous Sox team that in 2004 broke the curse of the Bambino, finally bringing a World Series back to Boston since first time since 1918, the 86-year drought. And Manny was kind of a huge face of this Red Sox team. And it was his time at the Red Sox that Manny really showed off his wild personality and ultimately came up with almost like his slogan, Manny being Manny. The concept of Manny being Manny is such an original one and he was such a genuine character in the game. I think one of the biggest highlights of his strange antics was when he was playing left field in Boston. There's the big green monster out in in left field. If you're a baseball fan, you're probably familiar with it, but there's there's not. In left field of Fenway Park, there's this 30-odd foot wall, uh, nearly 40-foot wall, that's referred to as the green monster, and inside of it, there's a manual scoring board that's uh, changed with all these placards, and there are guys that work all along inside of there uh, in there's heat and snow and whatever the weather may be they have they have to stay inside the green monster and work on the scoreboard and there's a door that leads out to the field and during one of the games the door just happened to be open and manny turned around and saw it and just kind of went in it was open so and he's heading on in maybe there's a fan in there or something they keep him cool he knows it's not a pitching change right because he's not back yet i hope so maybe the attendant uh, down there should tell us can he come back please because at this it's moment, not a pitching change manny is not in left field there's no left field oh my goodness. at this moment oh my goodness come on manny here we go hey here we go <laughs> welcome back come on back man i don't know man this is the place to be you know manny being manny man he's he's great man and manny would get up to all sorts of bonkers things he'd like catch a play and the play would still be active but he'd leap up and high five a fan if he was close enough to the wall and he seemed to defy all the rules and he was just an absolute personality in the game manny after the 2004 world series enjoyed another four years in boston and then in 2008 he was traded to the los angeles dodgers and the star didn't disappoint everyone was excited to have him there they they called it manny wood and he was a big part of that team's success in 08 manny then went on to have a a stint as a Tampa Bay Ray. He tested positive for steroid use and fell out of favor with some fans, but never 
gave up trying to be a part of the baseball world. He was a part of the Oakland A and Chicago Cubs coaching staff for a little while, but Manny still wanted to play. He ended up playing in the Chinese league for a little while, and then just recently, this year, signed a contract with the Sydney Blue Sox to go play baseball down under. I think it's a testament to Manny as a kind of character and just a an baseball animal. I mean, he just survives by playing ball and he just wants to play the game and ultimately taking this opportunity to go play down in down in Australia. And a, a funny thing happened while he was there. This little bit went viral, actually, where Manny was in a restaurant waiting to get some food and there was a guy in front of him wearing a Boston Red Sox hat. And well, here's a, here's a little clip of it. <laughs> The guy had no idea who he was. He thought he was going to have this epic moment of being like, hey, you know, nice Belston Red Sox hat. I'm Manny Ramirez. And the guy just goes, uh, mate, can you leave us alone? I'm just here with my girlfriend. You know, can you, can you, can you not? It's just, it's, I just love Manny's moment of confidence being like, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make this guy's day. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be Manny Ramirez and just be like, hey, man, nice hat. I kind of love that Manny's still playing the game and still being a big character and just being himself. I think it's a testament to, you know, wanting to carry on and play the game. Manny's 48 years old and certainly made a ton of money. He doesn't necessarily have to go and play ball down there but I just found it fascinating that he's just continuing on and wanting to carry on his career it also made me laugh the idea of him signing with the Sydney Blue Sox maybe if he you know when he goes to Melbourne and plays a game oh many was so excited to have you down here we're thinking about calling it many born you know play on like many wood and Melbourne you know kind of what you did in in the Dodgers over there best of luck to Manny down, down there down under a real character of the game The final player, the final kind of character in sport that I want to highlight is that of the lefty in the game of golf. Of course, I'm talking about Phil Mickelson. Phil has had a long and illustrious career in the game of golf. Masters champion, British Open champion. Still searching for that elusive US Open. If you're a golf fan, you know that he's had many a close call with winning the US Open. Also with that unbelievable collapse at Wingfoot but I'm not talking about his game today I'm talking about his social media he created an Instagram account not too long ago actually and on it started making these videos called Fireside with Phil P-H-I-R-S-I-D-E Fireside with Phil and Phil really just used it as an opportunity to have a laugh and talk about things that make him laugh and showcase his personality hello everyone and welcome to the first edition of Fireside with Phil Welcome to another edition of Fireside with Phil. I'm hanging out at the Tehama Club with one of uh, my favorite people in the world, Clint Eastwood. Welcome to another edition of Fireside with Phil. I have a special guest, uh, Larry David. We just played golf together. Larry, I noticed the game was... Yeah, I didn't do so well. Right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Is that what you're going to say? It was. Yeah. And Phil's not just sat down with comedians or celebrities, he's sat down along fellow golfers telling stories about how he wills Jordan Spieth's putts out of the hole and how he kind of gets chirpy with Justin Thomas, even doing one where he sits next to an iPad screen of Tiger Woods and says, you know, don't worry, Tiger, I'm going to vote for you when you get to the Hall of Fame. And all of it's a bit inside, but I find him just effortlessly funny in his, in his timing and his humour. But by far my favourite video was him, he posted a video of him driving to the PGA Championship at Beth Page. 
And Phil's notorious for giving everyone a thumbs up as he goes around the course. That's kind of his signature, you know, Phil with the thumbs up. And this video starts with him flexing his thumbs on his steering wheel. Take a listen to this. What am I doing? Thumb activation. I've been preparing for weeks for Beth Page. It's Saturday at the PGA Championship and my thumbs are being activated. Why? Because the previous record of 984 thumbs up in a single day, last done here at Beth Page, is going to be broken today. If I can make six or seven birdies, as the putts go down, the thumbs are coming up. I'm going for a thousand. Let's do this. He posted a follow-up video of his thumbs in a bucket of ice saying, we shattered the record. <laughs> Another kind of catchphrase that Phil's become synonymous with is hitting bombs. For those unfamiliar, that's a phrase to describe hitting an absolute tattooed drive, just blasting it. Hitting bombs, B-O-M-B-S. <laughs> And Phil has certainly shared a lot of instances of doing just that. Hitting bombs. Hitting bombs. Bombs. Why am I doing this? Well, I saw a post of Bubba Watson hitting bombs without a shirt on. And he had bare chest hair. And I don't mean B-A-R-E chest hair. I mean grizzly bear, B-E-A-R chest hair. And thought, if I have to have that to hit bombs, I don't want to hit bombs. But then I realized that when I was not hitting bombs, my confidence was low, my self-esteem was low. Oftentimes I wouldn't want to get out of bed. And so when I started hitting bombs, my confidence shot back up, my testosterone came back, my overall attractiveness increased. Until next time, let's all hit bombs, attack pins, and showcase those calves. Phil's internet persona also came synonymous with his calves. His calves are ridiculously massive. If you look up a picture of them, they're just insane. And he says, if you want to have calves like Adonis, and he, he shows these like all these regiments he does to get huge calves. He's now got the most ridiculous looking calves on, on, uh, on the tour. Just recently, Phil paired up with Tom Brady and Tiger with Peyton Manning. They called it Champions for Charity, and they raised a ton of money for COVID relief and him and Tom and Tiger and Phil were all they were all uh, mic'd up and it was awesome to kind of get to listen in on these guys playing together and the kind of inside jokes and you know little ribbings that they would give to one another at the beginning of the round Phil said that he'd been digging around in his closet and pulled out the Tiger Slayer which he had used in the early 2000s not too much success but he had brought it back out because he was going to take him that day whenever I watch a tournament or when I watch golf specials like the match or whatever else I always find myself cracking up at moments and talking about the game of golf. And I think it's kind of an inside thing. You, if you're a golfer, you find this stuff hysterical. And if I've been with my family or people in my life and I've been cracking up at golf jokes and they kind of just look at me like, you really you really found that you really found that funny? And I think that the inside world of golf, when you're immersed in it and enjoy it, it's just, it's, it can just be so funny. And I find Phil to be just one of the absolute characters of the game. I think there are a ton of players worth noting or mentioning. I think that humor and charisma and personality, when you bring that and pair it with unbelievable athletic skill, can be a diabolical combination. And I think that the four guys that I highlighted in this represent that, represent unbelievable ability matched with unbelievable personalities. Those are my kind of big characters in sport. I wonder what yours are. Let me know at AA Britpod on Instagram or Twitter as to who your biggest characters in the game may be. 
Until next time, I am your host, Johnny McEwen, for the All American Brit Podcast on Believe Podcasting Network. Take care. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.